Hey there, folks. This is your host, Michelle Ann Olson, and you are listening to Are You Afraid of the Bark? The podcast that goes bark in the night. Welcome, dear listeners, to this episode 23 of the podcast. First and foremost, I would like to wish you a very happy Valentine's Day. That was yesterday. It's come and gone, but I hope that the day was filled with lots of love on your end. Please know that I consider all of you my Valentines and that I love you very, very much. And I'm glad that you're here listening to this episode 23. Now, today's episode is a little bit of a roundabout inspiration. I was watching the movie Ant-Man and the Wasp, the Marvel movie, with my partner. And there's this character in the movie who works for... The security company made up of ex-convicts. He's kind of this comic relief character, definitely a tertiary character. I believe that he's meant to be Russian. And some instance of science causes him to mistake what he's seeing for magic. And he blames this witch, Baba Yaga, this Russian witch, for this so-called occurrence of magic. So my partner insists that this character specifically mentioned in this line of dialogue, Baba Yaga's cat. And he turned to me and he's like, I don't know what that is, but that's the next episode of your podcast. I don't remember this line of dialogue at all. I do remember the witch Baba Yaga being referenced kind of as a punchline. I do not remember any mention of Baba Yaga's cat. I was convinced that that was not even a thing until I started looking into the Russian myth, folklore, surrounding this character of Baba Yaga. And it turns out that a cat and dog do feature quite heavily in her lore. And so I'm going to be talking today, due to that extremely roundabout inspiration, about the legend of Baba Yaga and her animal, do you say henchmen when it's an animal? Her hench animals. Baba Yaga comes from the Slavic tradition. She's a wild old woman, a witch, a mistress of magic. She's a mythical creature. She's seen as a forest spirit, leading hosts of spirits, including a number of ragtag animals. Stories about Baba Yaga in the Slavic tradition have been used, as with the Yule cat that we discussed around Christmas time, to teach children a lesson. In this case, the importance of reverence for the delicacy of nature and the spirit world. Stories about Baba Yaga often have a moral that involves a sense of purity of heart, a sense of respect for the forest and its animals. Stories about Baba Yaga have also been used by parents in an attempt to frighten children from wandering away from home. That, just as a side note, reminds me of my childhood in Newfoundland. The concept of the fairy out there is not this delicate winged creature that we see in Disney movies a la Tinkerbell. Fairies in Newfoundland, if you wandered off, would call you deeper and deeper into the fog until you were lost forever or lure you straight off of a cliff. So this idea of mythical beings mythical creatures being used to ensure that children don't 
wander. We see this across cultures, and Baba Yaga appears as such a figure in the Slavic tradition. So, a few stats about Baba Yaga. If she were a hockey player, this would appear on her trading card. She's a hag, she flies through the air in a mortar, and she uses a pestle as a rudder. She sweeps away the tracks made behind her with a broom made out of silver birch. She lives in a log cabin that moves around on a pair of dancing chicken legs. The keyhole to her front door is a mouth filled with sharp teeth. The fence outside of her home is made with human bones with skulls on top, often with one pole missing its skull, a place where she can threaten to place the hero's skull after having eaten them. In some legends, her house will not reveal its door until it is told this phrase, Turn your back to the forest and your front to me. So briefly commenting on the cabin on chicken legs with no windows and no doors. That's the traditional abode of Baba Yaga. This might have actually been inspired by a real sort of residence. There was a construction popular among hunter-gatherers, nomadic people of Siberia, and this cabin was invented to preserve supplies against animals during periods of absence. So these doorless and windowless log cabins were built on supports made from the stumps of two or three closely grown trees cut to the height of eight to ten feet. So these stumps with their spreading roots might have given a good impression of chicken legs and the only access to these cabins was via a trapdoor in the middle of the floor. So Baba Yaga's cabin, although it sounds like something of pure fantasy, a house that sits atop walking chicken legs, might have been inspired by that traditional abode or that traditional building. In some stories, Baba Yaga is shown as a pure antagonist. In others, she's a source of guidance. There are stories where she helps people with their quests and other stories in which she kidnaps children and threatens to eat them. To seek out her aid is a dangerous act. An emphasis is placed on the proper preparation for asking for her help. You must have a purity of spirit and basic politeness to survive an encounter with Baba Yaga. And as we'll hear in the following tale, Baba Yaga is often associated with her servants, in this case a cat and a dog, and in being kind to them, to humble creatures, to animals, to the wild, only then are the protagonists who come up against Baba Yaga in myth and legend. Only then are they able to succeed and survive. So I'd like to tell you now the tale of Baba Yaga, the Russian witch. And this is a tale in which her servants, her hench animals, figure prominently, and in which kindness to those animals hold the key to the heroine's survival. Once upon a time, an old man, a widower, lived alone in a hut with his daughter Natasha. Very merry the two of them were together. They used to smile at each other over a table piled with bread and jam and play peekaboo, first this side of the samovar and then that. Everything went well until the old man took into his head to marry again. So the little girl gained a stepmother. After that, everything changed. No more bread and jam on the table. No more playing peekaboo around the samovar as the girl sat with her father at tea. It was even worse than that. 
because she was never allowed to sit at tea at all anymore. The stepmother said that little girls shouldn't have tea, much less eat bread with jam. She would throw the girl a crust of bread and tell her to get out of the hut and go find someplace else to eat it. Then the stepmother would sit with her husband and tell him everything that was wrong, and that everything that went wrong was the girl's fault, and the old man believed his new wife. Therefore, poor Natasha would go by herself into the shed in the yard, wet the dry crust with her tears, and eat it all by herself. Then she would hear the stepmother yelling at her to come in and wash up the tea things and tidy up the house and brush the floor and clean everybody's muddy boots. One day, the stepmother decided she could not bear the sight of Natasha one minute longer. But how could she get rid of her for good? Then she remembered her sister, the terrible witch Baba Yaga, the bony-legged one who lived in the forest. And a wicked plan began to form in her head. The very next morning, the old man went off to pay a visit to some friends of his in the next village. As soon as the old man was out of sight, the wicked stepmother called for Natasha. "'You are to go today to my sister, your dear little aunt who lives in the forest,' said she, "'and ask her for a needle and thread to mend a shirt.' "'But here is a needle and thread,' said Natasha, trembling, "'for she knew that her aunt was Baba Yaga, the witch, "'and that any child who came near her was never seen again.' "'Hold your tongue,' snapped the stepmother, and she gnashed her teeth, "'which made a noise like clattering tongs. "'Didn't I tell you that you are to go to your dear little aunt in the forest "'and ask for a needle and thread to mend a shirt?' "'Well, then,' said Natasha, trembling, "'how shall I find her?' "'She had heard that Baba Yaga chased her victims through the air "'in a giant mortar and pestle, "'and that she had iron teeth with which she ate children.' The stepmother took hold of the girl's nose and pinched it. That is your nose, she said. Can you feel it? Yes, whispered the poor girl. You must go along the road into the forest till you come to a fallen tree, said the stepmother. Then you must turn to your left and follow your nose and you will find your auntie. Now off with you, lazy one. She shoved a kerchief in the girl's hand, into which she had packed a few morsels of stale bread and cheese and some scraps of meat. Natasha looked back. There stood the stepmother at the door with her arms crossed, glaring at her, so she could do nothing but go straight on. She walked along the road through the forest till she came to the fallen tree. Then she turned to the left. Her nose was still hurting where her stepmother had pinched it, so she knew she had to go straight on ahead. Finally, she came to the hut of Baba Yaga, the bony-legged one, the witch. Around the hut was a high fence. When she pushed the gates open, they squeaked miserably, as if it hurt them to move. Natasha noticed a rusty oil can on the ground. How lucky, she said, noticing that there was some left in the can, and she poured the remaining drops of oil into the hinges of the gate. Inside the gate was Baba Yaga's hut. It wasn't like any other hut she had ever seen, for it stood on giant's hen's legs and walked about the yard. As Natasha approached, the house turned around to face her, and it seemed that its front windows were eyes and its front door a mouth. A servant of Baba Yaga's was standing in the yard. She was crying bitterly because of the tasks Baba Yaga had set her to do, and was wiping her eyes on her petticoat. "'How lucky,' said Natasha, "'that I have a handkerchief.' She untied her kerchief, shook it clean, and carefully put the morsels of food in her pockets." 
She gave the handkerchief to Baba Yaga's servant, who wiped her eyes on it and smiled through her tears. By the hut was a huge dog, very thin, gnawing an old bone. How lucky, said the little girl, that I have some bread and meat. Reaching into her pocket for her scraps of bread and meat, Natasha said to the dog, I'm afraid it's rather stale, but it's better than nothing, I'm sure. And the dog gobbled it up and licked his lips. Natasha reached the door to the hut. Trembling, she tapped on the door. Come in, squeaked the wicked voice of Baba Yaga. The little girl stepped in. There sat Baba Yaga, the bony-legged one, the witch, sitting weaving at a loom. In the corner of the hut was a thin black cat watching a mouse hole. "'Good day to you, Auntie,' said Natasha, trying to sound not at all afraid. "'Good day to you, niece,' said Baba Yaga. "'My stepmother has sent me to ask you for a needle and thread to mend a shirt.' "'Has she now?' smiled Baba Yaga, flashing her iron teeth, for she knew how much her sister hated her stepdaughter. "'You sit down here at the loom and go on with my weaving while I go and fetch you the needle and thread.' The little girl sat down at the loom and began to weave. Baba Yaga whispered to her servant, "'Listen to me. Make the bath very hot and scrub my niece. Scrub her clean. I'll make a dainty meal of her. I will.' The servant came in for the jug to gather the bath water. Natasha said, "'I beg you, please be not too quick in making the fire, and please carry the water for the bath in a sieve with holes so that the water will run through.' The servant said nothing, but indeed— she took a very long time getting the bath ready. Baba Yaga came to the window and said in her sweetest voice, Are you weaving, little niece? Are you weaving, my pretty? I am weaving, auntie, said Natasha. When Baba Yaga went away from the window, the little girl spoke to the thin black cat who was watching the mouse hole. What are you doing? Watching for a mouse, said the thin black cat. I haven't had any dinner in three days. Sidebar, Baba Yaga is an animal abuser. That's all I have to say about that. How lucky, said Natasha, that I have some cheese left. And she gave her cheese to the thin black cat who gobbled it up. Said the cat, little girl, do you want to get out of here? Oh, cat can dear, said Natasha, how I want to get out of here. For I fear that Baba Yaga will try to eat me with her iron teeth. That is exactly what she intends to do, said the cat, but I know how to help you. Just then, Baba Yaga came to the window. Are you weaving, little niece, she asked. Are you weaving, my pretty? I am weaving, auntie, said Natasha, working away while the loom went clickety-clack, clickety-clack. Baba Yaga went out again. The thin black cat whispered to Natasha, there is a comb on the stool, and there is a towel brought for your bath. You must take them both and run for it while Baba Yaga is still in the bathhouse. Baba Yaga will chase after you. When she does, you must throw the towel behind you, and it will turn into a big, wide river. It will take her a little time to get over that. When she gets over the river, you must throw the comb behind you. The comb will sprout up into such a forest that she will never get through it at all. But she'll hear the loom stop, said Natasha. She'll know I have gone. Don't worry, I'll take care of that, said the thin black cat. The cat took Natasha's place at the loom. Clickety-clack, clickety-clack. The loom never stopped for a moment. Natasha looked to see that Baba Yaga was still in the bathhouse, and then she jumped out of the hut. The big dog leapt up to tear her to pieces. 
but just as he was going to spring on her, he saw who she was. Why, this is the little girl who gave me the bread and meat, said the dog. A good journey to you, little girl. And he lay down with his head between his paws. She petted his head and scratched his ears. When she came to the gates, they opened quietly, quietly, without making any noise at all, because of the oil she had poured into their hinges before. Then how she ran. Meanwhile, the thin black cat sat at the loom. Clickety-clack, clickety-clack, sang the loom. But you never saw such a tangle of yarn as the tangle made by that thin black cat. Presently, Baba Yaga came to the window. Are you weaving, little niece? she asked in a high-pitched voice. Are you weaving, my pretty? I'm weaving, auntie, said the thin black cat, tangling and tangling the yarn, while the loom went clickety-clack, clickety-clack. That's not the voice of my little dinner, said Baba Yaga, and she jumped into the hut, gnashing her iron teeth. There at the loom was no little girl, but only the thin black cat tangling and tangling the threads. Grr, said Baba Yaga, and she jumped at the cat. Why didn't you scratch the little girl's eyes out? The cat curled up its tail and arched its back. In all the years that I have served you, you have only given me water and made me hunt for my dinner. The girl gave me real cheese. It's as good a reason to be loyal to anybody as I can think of. Baba Yaga was enraged. She grabbed the cat and shook her. Turning the servant girl and gripping her by the collar, she croaked, Why did you take so long to repair the bath? Ah, trembled the servant. In all the years I've served you, you have never so much as given me a rag, but the girl gave me a pretty kerchief. Baba Yaga cursed and dashed her out into the yard. Seeing the gates wide open, she shrieked, Gates! Why didn't you squeak when she opened you? Ah, said the gates, in all the years that we've served you, you never so much as sprinkled a drop of oil on us, and we could hardly stand the sound of our own creaking. But the girl oiled us, and we can now swing back and forth without a sound. Baba Yaga slammed the gates closed. Spinning around, she pointed her long finger at the dog. You, she hollered. Why didn't you tear her to pieces when she ran out of the house? Ah, said the dog, in all the years that I've served you, you never threw me anything but an old bone crust, and the girl gave me real meat and bread. Baba Yaga rushed about the yard, cursing and hitting them all, screaming at the top of her voice. Then she jumped into her giant mortar. Beating the mortar with a giant pestle to make it go faster, she flew into the air and quickly closed in on the fleeing Natasha. From there, on the ground, far ahead, she soon spied the girl running through the trees, stumbling, fearfully looking over her shoulder. You'll never escape me, Baba Yaga laughed, a terrible laugh, and steered her flying mortar straight down toward the girl. Natasha was running faster than she had ever run before. Soon she could hear Baba Yaga's mortar bumping on the ground behind her. Desperately, she remembered the thin black cat's words and threw the towel behind her on the ground. The towel grew bigger and bigger and wetter and wetter, and soon a deep, broad river stood between the little girl and Baba Yaga. Natasha turned and ran on. Oh, how she ran! When Baba Yaga reached the edge of the river, she screamed louder than ever and threw her pestle on the ground, as she knew she couldn't fly over an enchanted river. In a rage, she flew back to her hut on hen's legs. Then she gathered all her cows and drove them to the river. Drink! Drink, she screamed at them, and the cows drank up all the river to the last drop. Then Baba Yaga hopped into her giant mortar and flew over the dry bed of the river to pursue her prey. 
Natasha had run quite a distance ahead, and in fact she thought she might at last be free of the terrible Baba Yaga, but her heart froze in terror when she saw the dark figure in the sky speeding toward her again. This is the end for me, she despaired. Then she remembered what the cat had said about the comb. Natasha threw the comb behind her, and the comb grew bigger and bigger, and its teeth sprouted up into a thick forest, so thick that not even Baba Yaga could force her way through. And Baba Yaga the witch, the bony-legged one, gnashing her teeth and screaming with rage and disappointment, finally turned round and drove away back to her little hut on hen's legs. The tired, tired girl finally arrived back home. She was afraid to go inside and see her mean stepmother, so instead she waited outside in the shed. When she saw her father pass by, she ran out to him. "'Where have you been?' cried her father. "'And why is your face so red?' The stepmother turned yellow when she saw the girl, and her eyes glowed, and her teeth ground together until they broke. But Natasha was not afraid. She went to her father and climbed on his knee and told him everything just as it happened. When the old man learned that the stepmother had sent his daughter to be eaten by Baba Yaga, the witch, he was so angry that he drove her out of her hut and never let her return. From then on, he took good care of his daughter himself, and never again let a stranger come between them. Over a table piled high with bread and jam, father and daughter would again play peekaboo back and forth from behind the samovar, and the two of them lived happily ever after. So that version of the Baba Yaga story was collected and edited by Arina Anishkina and appears on a blog of Russian folklore and culture called therussianstore.com. And that is the story of Baba Yaga, the Russian witch, and her animal servants, who ultimately, in stories about Baba Yaga, hold the key to the freedom of the hero or heroine trying to escape Baba Yaga's clutches. I like the idea that it is kindness to these animals, kindness for the sake of kindness. You know, Natasha had no reason to be kind to any of these animals or the servant girl or the gate. She was, out of the goodness of her heart, out of some sense of altruism, even given her terrible situation. And it was kindness to the spirits of Baba Yaga's house, kindness to her animal servants that ultimately set Natasha free. And it turns out that Baba Yaga's cat is not only a real character in this story, but quite a significant one at that. So I'm glad that my partner noticed that throwaway line of dialogue that led to me exploring this topic a little bit further. It's a good story. I like it. Baba Yaga sounds like a terrible animal abuser, so I'm glad that she got hers. Now, I know that I mentioned last week, or rather earlier in the week, I know that I mentioned that I wanted to share two listener stories that I had received, and I still want to do that, but this has turned out to be kind of a, a lengthier episode, and I want to devote the proper time to those two stories and not just tack them onto the end of what is already a, a pretty lengthy episode, so I think I'm going to save them until next week. If anybody out there has their own supernatural animal experience to share with me or wants to bring an animal ghost story that they have heard to my attention. The two stories that I have are so 
compelling. And if I could add just one more, I might be able to build an episode out of those listener stories entirely. And I think that would be a lot of fun. So if you have anything that you think would be appropriate, please feel free to shoot me an email at afraidofthebarkpodcast at gmail.com or reach out to me over any social media on Facebook at AYAOTB podcast, on Instagram at Afraid of the Bark podcast, or on Twitter at Afraid of the Bark. If you think you have your own animal ghost story, something that happened to you personally or to a friend, a family member, or a story that you've heard and think is worth sharing, let me know. Now's the time. And then I can make an episode dedicated to those listener stories and really give them the treatment that they deserve. So I really didn't want to tack them on to the end of, of this episode. And I, I hope that you understand and, and we'll look forward to hearing those, those stories in future. I don't want to sit on them forever. I, I am going to tell them soon, I promise. So you can reach out to me in any of the aforementioned ways with your stories or just to let me know what you think about the podcast or just to say hello and let me know that you're out there and let me know that you're listening. Thank you very much for joining me for this episode 23. I hope that you enjoyed it and I hope that you internalize that message always that message of being kind to animals, even if it's not going to save you from a Russian witch. You should be kind to animals always. That is my everyday opinion. Thank you very much for listening. Please reach out to me if you have anything to say. I'd love to hear from you. And I guess that the only thing to add now is to simply wish that you have sweet dreams tonight. And thanks for listening. Ha ha ha!